Before we pick up our series in the book of Ruth and turn to Ruth chapter 3 this morning, let's just bow in prayer. Father, we are grateful that we can bow before you, the holy God. We're grateful that you love us, that you have sent your son to rescue us, that you hear when we call out to you, and that you continue to work to forgive to reshape our lives, to direct our lives, to bring honor to your name in the process. And as we gather around your word together now, we pray that you would keep us attentive to what you are saying, not just to information, but to what you are saying to my heart, to each heart, and to us collectively as a church family this morning. Help us not to miss what you have for us, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the, the days very slowly rolled into weeks. They were long, hot days in the fields. But throughout the weeks, up to seven more weeks of the barley and then the wheat harvest, Ruth got up every single morning very early. She headed out the door, making her way to the fields of Boaz. There she followed along as his workers went through field by field, crop by crop. And as they harvested, she gleaned in behind them. Whatever had been missed, whatever had been dropped, whatever had been left behind, she collected. They continued to follow the instructions of Boaz. And as they went, they would sneak a peek over their shoulder. And if it was Ruth coming along behind them, every once in a while they would take a handful of what they had already collected and they would leave it for her so that she had extra provision. Every day at the end of those long hours in the sun, she would pick up what she had collected and make her way home. She and Naomi would, would take what they needed for their own use and go and sell the rest, and slowly their needs were being met. Day after day after day. Ruth was grateful she was grateful for the grace and the mercy and the kindness that Boaz had shown to her. Naomi was grateful for the help and provision she and Ruth were receiving. Her heart had begun to, to soften towards God. She came around to see that it wasn't that God was out to get her. God had been working in her life to reach her and to get her attention and to draw her heart back to Him. And so as her heart softened towards God's and others, toward God and others, she was grateful for the relief and rescue he had given. She was thankful that he had provided all of this through Boaz. And as Naomi looked at the situation and, and saw hope, she also sensed some possibilities. Now, no one knows exactly when her plan came together. It could have been like a bolt of lightning out of the blue. Or it could have just slowly come together, unfolding thought by thought as she spent those long days waiting for Ruth to return, thinking about Ruth out in the fields of Boaz, grateful for what they had been given for their immediate needs, but also thinking every day that not only are we having one more day of provision here, but we are one day closer to the end of the harvest. And then what? Temporary help is good and necessary and needed, 
But what about permanent solutions? What will we do next? Maybe a friend or a neighbor was over for tea and and suggested things to her. Maybe God had put this on her heart. Or maybe one day she just noticed a little something different in Ruth's voice whenever she mentioned Boaz. We don't know. But the plan, it came together. And one day as Ruth came home with everything she had gleaned and she made her way home, Naomi was waiting at the door. And she said, Ruth, sit down. We have to talk. You know, Ruth, I love you and I'm grateful for you as my daughter-in-law for all that you have done and all that you are doing to provide for me and to help us out. I'm so grateful that God's doing all of this and, and, and for what your part in this has been. But doesn't it make sense that I would be concerned for you? That you wouldn't just have temporary help, but that I would be able to see you settled and secure in a home of your own once again, with a husband, a family, steady, long-term provision. Wouldn't that make sense, Ruth? I need you to listen to something. Boaz is out there in the barley fields and they're getting ready to do some more work this evening and they're working late into the evening as they're winnowing out the barley and threshing the barley at the the threshing floor. The heavy winds of the afternoon have calmed down and now there's that soft, gentle evening breeze just perfect for the work that they're doing. And so he'll be out there working. And here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to go wash up. You've been in the fields all day. Go wash up. And please, find some of my perfume, would you? And just put, put a little something, uh, just clean yourself up. <laughs> and then I want you to get your large, heavy cloak. And have I got a plan for you? You see, Boaz is going to be out there working tonight. And he and his men, they'll be out there. They'll be working late into the evening. Then they'll gather around a fire and they'll have their evening meal. And then they'll all sleep out there so that they're ready to go first thing in the morning to get up and keep going at the first sign of light to keep working. And this way they can also protect what they have and guard what they have harvested. So I've got a plan for you. It's going to sound a little strange, but trust me. Trust me. So Ruth and Naomi sat down and in hushed voices they went back and forth as Naomi laid out the whole plan. Okay, Ruth, tell me one more time. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? What's next? What's next? No, 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 no. Let's do it one more time. And they rehearsed this a few times. All right. Now go get cleaned up, would you? So she goes and gets all cleaned up, puts some perfume on, not so much to attract Boaz, but as to prevent herself from repulsing Boaz after a, week, a day in the fields, right? She got cleaned up. And she waited. And the sun went down. And she took her heavy cloak. And she put it on over her shoulders. And she slid it up over her head. And she pulled it close at the front. And off she went, slipping outside into the darkening shadows, deepening shadows, and off she went and left town, out to the fields, 
all covered up so no one could see who this was. Everything went just the way Naomi had said. Ruth went out. She was careful not to be seen. She stuck to the shadows. She got to some trees at the edge of the field near the threshing floor and she hid there and she watched as as the work wound down for the day. She sat there wondering how this was all going to play out as she saw Boaz and the others sit down and take their evening meal and their evening wine and as they talked about all that had been done and all the work to come tomorrow and a few jokes came up and people laughed and they were tired. It had been a long productive day. She watched as they had their meal together. And then as everybody went their separate way to go out in the field and kind of spread out to keep an eye on things and get some sleep, she watched very carefully. And she saw Boaz get up and he made his way off to a a quiet, secluded place and he laid down on the ground and he pulled his big cloak over him to guard against the chilly night air and he settled in and she watched. And he wrestled around a little bit and he, he tossed and he turned, trying to get as comfortable as possible, as comfortable as anybody could get under those conditions, sleeping on the ground out there. Finally, he seemed to settle in. And she waited. She watched. Eventually, his breathing slowed. He seemed to be more relaxed. He stopped tossing and turning. And when the snoring started, that was her cue. And after one long look around again in every direction to make sure she hadn't been seen, Ruth crept over to where Boaz was. And following the strangest instructions she'd ever been given, she reached down and she took that cloak that he was using as a blanket and she uncovered his feet. And then she laid down. She laid down at his feet and she waited. She would have fallen asleep if she could have. (laughs) But every sound, oh, is that him? Every time he moved, is, that, is, is he awake? Just waiting to see what's going to happen next. How in the world did I get talked into this? What was Naomi thinking and why did I agree? This is just so strange and she's laying there at his feet just waiting. And around midnight, Boaz just kind of startled, jumped up and sat up and looked around. What's my name and where am I? You ever had one of those? <laughs> I don't know if it was a dream if, if she managed to, to nudge him accidentally, or if those feet just got good and cold and he woke up. But he woke up and he looked around and said, what is going on? And he looked around in the dark and as his eyes adjusted to the, the, the light, he looked around and there was a woman sleeping on the ground at his feet. She was laying right there. And propped up on his elbows, he said, Who in the world are you? And what are you doing here? And then the cloak slowly came down from over her head. And Ruth sat up. And Ruth said, it's me. Ruth, your servant. I've come once again to ask you to be gracious to your servant. Would you please take me under your wings? You are, after all, 
one of our redeemers. I have a right to ask you to do this. Would you? Oh, her mouth was dry and her heart was beating. (laughs) Where is this going to go? I think I got the speech right that Naomi gave me. But what's he going to do with this? And Boaz looked at her and he said, this kindness that you are showing me just so far surpasses all the kindness you have done for Naomi. You're, You're a young woman. There are all these young men out here, rich, poor, short, tall, most with more hair than me. <laughs> there, you, you could have had your pick, but you've done things this way, and you've come to me as your Redeemer. You've asked me to take you under my wings. Now, that's a bit of a play on words, because the same Hebrew word is used for garment. Remember back in chapter 2, when Boaz first met Ruth and first spoke with her, he talked of her as being a woman who came to find refuge under God's wings. Come in close and let God settle down and protect you and shelter you and give you refuge. And now with that same language, she's saying, I'm looking for God to protect and provide, but now in that process, I'm also asking you, and if you do that, and if you put your garment over me as well, that's, that's just a symbolic gesture to say, you are going to take me into your home. You're going to marry me, rescue me, redeem me, and finally solve this whole thing. Boaz, can you imagine? You ever woken up to weird requests or weird conversations? <laughs> can you imagine? He's sitting there in the dark in one of his fields, talking to Ruth, going, are you kidding me? Like 10 minutes ago, I was single. (laughs) This is just crazy. And he says, I know who you are, and everybody out there knows who you are. People have gotten to know your reputation, that you are a worthy woman. You are a woman of great character. And here's what I'm going to do, Ruth. I am going to do all that you ask. I am your relative. I am your redeemer. And I will provide for you all that you ask. Oh, I can't believe it, she's thinking. How did Naomi get that straight? Naomi's plans never work out, remember? (laughs) But look at this. This is incredible. He said, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to send you home with a a big gift of grain and you take that home as a gift to your mother-in-law. And just remind her that Naomi's days of being empty are over. And she'll be provided for as well. Ruth must have been so excited, wouldn't you think? Hands shaking, knees kind of wobbly. What do I do now? We didn't rehearse this part. Now what do I do? (laughs) Boaz says, just don't get too excited. There's one little fly in the ointment. You see, there's another guy in town who's also one of your relatives, and he's a closer relative than me. And that means he gets the first opportunity to redeem you, to buy your land, to take you into his home, 
to marry you, he gets first shot at this. So tomorrow, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to him. And we're going to do things the right way here. And if he says he will redeem you, he will marry you, he will bring you into his home, then we'll thank the Lord for his provision and I will walk away as hard as that will be. But if not, as Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel lives, if this man does not redeem you, I will. I will. So Ruth probably says what everybody else would be saying then. Well, what do I do now? (laughs) He's like, it's late. It's dark. Lay down. Get some sleep. In the morning, we'll sort this out. So she lays down. He puts his blanket back over his cold feet. And then he lays down. Do you think either one of them slept a wink? (laughs) Oh, all those thoughts and plans now rolling through their heads. The what ifs, the what next. What do we have to do? I have to plan a wedding either way. What are we going to do? What's going on? And they're starting to think about the possibility of their future together. But then every once in a while, their minds would go to this other guy and go, well, who is he? And what if he steps in? What will that do then? I don't think they slept much. And while it was still dark before everyone else got up, they just gave up on sleep. And they got up and he said, here, take this gift of grain and go home. And through the easing shadows, she snuck back into town and got home. And as she got home, she came up to the door and she went to open the door and Naomi was on the other side and yanked it right open. And in she comes. Naomi hadn't slept. She'd been pacing all night. You know, they, had, they didn't have cell phones. She couldn't get a text to find out how things had gone. And she's at home wondering, what's going on? Once again, none of my plans ever seemed to work. <laughs> but I thought I had this one thought through. Ruth, what happened? Sit down. And so Ruth sits down. Slowly, Ruth, walk me through every last detail. And she does. Here's what he said. Here's what he did. Here's the gift he sent to you. There's this other guy, but he says he's going to deal with it. What do we do now? Naomi just smiles and says, why don't you get some rest? No need to go to work today. You're going to want to be home. Because I think the news will come quickly. Boaz isn't going to let this sit for a week and a half. He's going to go address this today. He's going to go address this today. And with a smile on Naomi's face and a twinkle in her eye and a prayer from both of their hearts, they said, let's wait and see what God is going to do with this one. Chapter 4 begins this way. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate And he sat down there at the city gate where business was done, where everybody passed during the day and where where the men of the city would gather to discuss important matters, of course. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. So he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it. And say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. 
If you will redeem it, fine, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me, that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And the heart of Boaz sank a little. But he had one more card to play. (laughs) Then Boaz said, Well, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, Whoa, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take the right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. I will not redeem it. There's been a lot of talk about a redeemer. The Hebrew word is goel. Some of your translations relative. Some say kinsman, some say redeemer. Some say kinsman redeemer, as English translators try to express the, the thrust of this word. He's a relative, according to God's law in the Old Testament, who, was, who could step in and protect the family if the family was threatened. A redeemer could do one of several things. He could redeem property. He could reclaim land that had been sold by the family to to pay for bills in a time of financial distress. He could come and reclaim that property. He could redeem a person. Someone had been living with so much indebtedness that finally, finally, their creditors came and enslaved them to pay it off. Your redeemer had the right to come and buy you back and free you. A redeemer redeemer could redeem blood. He was the one who was allowed to avenge a murdered relative. A redeemer could also redeem a family line and a family name by marrying a relative's widow and having a child with her to carry on that part of the family line. Boaz was a redeemer. This other man, we don't know his name, he was in the position of redeemer as well. But when he found out that he wasn't just buying land and adding to his holdings and gaining a financial windfall here, but that he was going to also marry Ruth and have a child with her to carry on Elimelech's line, he said, well, what does that do to the inheritance I've got for my sons? Where does all my stuff going to go? I'm not putting all of that at risk. I'm out. You're on. And Boaz smiled and nodded, just as I had hoped. Just as I had hoped. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging, verse 7. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. I just renewed my mortgage. Not once did they ask me for a shoe. (laughs) You ever exchanged footwear in any kind of... This is a little different, isn't it? So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilean and to Malan, 
And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. No longer is Ruth being referred to as the Moabite, the outsider. In chapter 3, verse 11, Boaz had said to her, I will go and publicly redeem you. Don't worry about all the people out there. They know who you are. They know that you are a worthy woman, a woman of character. Boaz had been described in chapter 2, verse 1, when we first met him, He'd been described as a worthy man, a man of character. This phrase, a worthy woman, is the same phrase that we read in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, in Proverbs 31, verse 10, which, by the way, is why in a Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth comes right after Proverbs 31. As strange as Ruth chapter 3 and 4 sounds to us, I mean, we've heard some strange proposal stories, haven't we? But this, really? That was the way to go about it? Interesting. We've heard some other strange details of how you go about doing things, but footwear in exchange for property? As a sign that I'm going to pay you later, that's my down payment? It's just bizarre to us. But as strange as it sounds... Boaz did things God's way. He didn't cut corners. He didn't say doing things God's way is too risky. What if I lose Ruth? He says, I'm going to do God's things God's way. I am here to do what God wants. You might find in following Jesus that there are some things that he asks you to do, that he commands you to do, that to your 2019 ears, yeah, it just sounds a little strange. Are you still going to do it God's way? And as you do, things that you do and the things that you stand for are going to be found increasingly strange by those around you. Are you still going to stand and do things God's way? Well, look at what happened. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, which means servant. 
He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The joy of redemption. Boaz, full of joy. Life had taken some strange twists at God's hand that he had not expected. Here he was now, with a wife and a son. Oh, Ruth's life had taken some strange twists and turns, had it not? But she was full of joy at the surprising work of God. A husband, a home, a son, all at the hand of God's provision. This God of Israel to whom she had come and pled for help and mercy and rescue. Naomi. See, the the story ends where it began. Naomi who had been a woman of anger and bitterness, now sees God at work all along. She looks back and says, God's hand has been in this. And God continues to provide today and going forward. Obed, my grandson, the name servant, will be here to care for me in my old age. And God has provided not just for this this day, but for the days to come. The book of Ruth ends this way. Verse 18 says, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Matthew 1, 20, Matthew 1 verse 5. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is not a and they all lived happily ever after statement. This is not a fairy tale. This is a real story, real events, real people, real places, real things that happened. And they were living in the time of the judges. And that disaster was going to keep on going for another couple of generations. But God was at work in the middle of it all. God was at work. David. David would come through the line of Obed. Boaz. Interesting. The king. This is why the book of Ruth in our English Bible is wedged where it is right after Judges, because this took place in that disastrous, terrible time of the Judges. But this also introduces us to the good king that's about to come in First and Second Samuel. As the monarchy begins and David comes to the throne. But it doesn't stop there. This is just the beginning. Because through David will come whom? Jesus. Jesus. The true, perfect final king, our redeemer, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The story of Boaz was not over. The story of Ruth was not over. When everything seemed hopeless and lost, God had more to do. Naomi's story was not over. God had more to do. Obed's story was not over. It was just beginning. Israel's story was not over. 
and whoever you are, and whatever you're walking through right here this morning, your story is not over. It isn't. So if you're running wild down the road to ruin, but it seems like there's no consequences and everything's going well, buckle up. The story isn't over. But if you're on the road to redemption and you've repented and you've turned back towards the Lord and you're trusting Him and clinging to Him, no matter how difficult things get, keep hanging on. The story's not over. The story's not over. Are you going to do things like Boaz? You're going to do things God's way? You're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything you have and everything you are, and others you're going to love as yourself. You will love and honor Him, and you will serve and help others as generously as you possibly can, doing things God's way no matter what. Are you like Ruth here this morning? An outsider? That Gentile Moabite who made her way to Bethlehem in Israel? What an unwelcome place that was for her. You feel like you're just on the outside looking in. There's no way God could possibly rescue me and place me into the middle of His people. Oh, if that's your thoughts this morning, let me remind you, you don't know God. That's exactly what He does. Look around. That's exactly what He has done. Every single one of his people been outsiders needing rescue and redemption and one at a time he's brought them in and he's placed us together as his people. Amen? Maybe you're here this morning and your heart's kind of like Naomi. You know, I had some pretty good plans and I ran off and I've done my own thing and now look, God's against me. God's just out to get me. Everywhere I turn, everything falls apart. And you're bitter and angry. I just remind you, humbly, but boldly this morning, we are not, God doesn't exist things our way. We exist to do things His way. And take another look. Maybe God is not working because he's out to get you. Maybe he's working to reach you and to get your attention and draw you back. Are you on the road to ruin? Turn around. Are you on the road to redemption? Are you doing things God's way? Will you repent and turn your back on doing things your own way and embrace him and follow him and experience forgiveness in life that only he can give as you come and walk with him in humility and obedience? Friends, the, the, the life of Ruth, the account of Ruth, the story of Ruth, the reality of Ruth, the reminder from Ruth is all about God's grace for all who will come to Him on His terms. God is gracious and He's waiting. It's all about God's hand at work even when we don't see it. We don't understand it. We can't make sense of what's going on. God's hand is at work. And it's all about God's redemption, no matter what your background is. 
report came out this week that said two in five indebted Canadians don't ever expect, don't ever expect to escape their debt. Two in five indebted Canadians expect that they will die owing money. Well, let me tell you this morning, five out of five Canadians, period, 100% can never escape the debt they owe Almighty God, period. We have earned God's judgment and condemnation with our rebellion against Him. We are by nature objects of wrath. We cannot buy our way out. We can't earn our way out. We can't wiggle our way out of it. We can't talk our way out of it. We are stuck. We need a Redeemer. We need someone to buy us back and place us back in the family. We need someone to rescue us and give us a future. That is why God sent His Son, Jesus. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why, starting next week, December 1st, we're going to walk through the Advent season together looking at Jesus, the perfect gift. Not the gifts that He gives, the gift that He is. Jesus, the perfect gift. Don't miss it. Don't miss it.